0: Most of us struggle with two tendencies. We like to compare, and we long to control others. We can easily fall into thinking the way we view life or the way we do things is correct, and therefore, those who differ from us must be wrong. It's so easy for us to elevate our personal preferences to moral matters by which we judge others. Welcome to On Mission, the preaching ministry of Edgewood Baptist Church in Rock Island, When we gather together, we meet on 38th Street, and when we're scattered, we strive to live on mission all over the Quad Cities area. In part one of this message, we introduced six avenues to acceptance that spell out the word accept. Last week, we started with the letter A of accept, avoid passing judgment. In the early church, some who clung to the law condemned those who enjoyed their liberty while the more mature Christians despised the immature ones. Paul tells both groups to chill out and not be chilly toward each other. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Listen now to part two of a message called Accept One Another. Here's our main idea. Since we are accepted by Christ, we must accept one another.
1: Now, before I mention some current topics that Christians disagree about, let me quote a pastor, interestingly, his name is Brian Bell, B-E-L-L. This is what he says, your love may be tested more by Christians who disagree with you than by unbelievers who persecute you. Sometimes disputable matters turn us blue in the face, which makes our Christian friends see red, but Paul points out it should be gray. Are you ready to see the list? Oh, there's one person. (laughs) You might not be so sure after we go through this. Well, let's go because that's part of knowing God's word, right? Study God's word in context. How does it apply to our context. All right, here we go. COVID-19. <laughs> Have you noticed there's differences of opinion on this? Well, let me go further. COVID protocols, masks, physical distancing, what about gathering for worship in person or online? What about styles of music? What about Bible versions? What about spiritual gifts? What about Calvinism or Arminianism? What about end times? What about alcohol? What about medical marijuana? I put this next one down on the list because it, it doesn't apply to us, does it? Politics? Oh my word. The tension, the, the the vitriol and Christians going at it on this one. Well, there's more parenting styles. How about schooling choices that parents make? Homeschooling and public school and parochial and Christian. You know, I had to stop because I couldn't fit more on here, but there are a lot more. There's almost an endless supply of things that we disagree about. Listen, get this. The problem is not that we disagree. It's how we disagree. You don't have to agree with someone's opinions, but don't look down on those whom God has accepted. Get this. You are not better than anyone else. And that person is not better than you either. Don't take that which is disputable and turn it into the dogmatic. Since we're accepted by Christ, we must accept one another. That's the A, accept C, commit to live for the Lord alone. The best way to avoid passing judgment is to live for the Lord alone and to recognize that we're at different points in our spiritual journey. Notice verse 5, Paul tells each believer to be fully convinced in his own mind. So that means you don't automatically have to adopt the convictions of others, but instead give careful thought prayerful consideration to all the principles taught in the word of God. And as we commit to live for the Lord, we should strive then to see fellow followers of Christ as members of the same team, the same body growing in grace just like we are. You know, sometimes we launch assaults on people and we put a label on those who disagree with us. Have you ever thought or said something like this when you feel really passionate? I don't think he's really a Christian. Or maybe you don't say that out loud, but maybe you secretly think something like this. If she was really growing in her faith, she would do things the way I do or think the way I think. Now verse six is a great reminder No one has a corner on commitment. We all need to be careful about questioning another believer's motives. Now this is a verse you might want to underline. I underlined five different parts of this verse. The one who observes the day, so now he's transitioned from diet to to days. The one who observes the day, observes it, look, in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, the one who eats meat sacrificed to an idol eats in honor of the Lord since he gives thanks to God. But doesn't end there, comma. While the one who abstains who won't eat meat sacrificed to an idol, notice, same phrase, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. And so the one who enjoys Johnsonville brats Come on, I'm from Wisconsin. That's all I could think about. (laughs) And the lover of legumes eats to the Lord and gives thanks to the Lord. Both thank God for the food they receive. Both live out their convictions, listen, as an expression of their devotion to Jesus. Don't you love how generous Paul is to both sides? By assuming everyone is exercising their freedoms or their restrictions all for the glory of God. Why? Wouldn't it be amazing to be in a church where everyone gave each other the benefit of the doubt on differences of opinion instead of putting the worst possible spin on everything? I found a church like that. It's right here. Verse 10 tells us why we shouldn't judge or look down on others. Oh my! (laughs) Look at verse ten. Why do you pass judgment on your? Do you see what the word that on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? So he's saying, look at your horizontal relationships. You're in the same family. The the word there, adelphos, means from the same womb. We've both been born again. We're brothers and sisters, so look at those around you. But then he takes us vertical. Look at the next part, for we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. When we evaluate another person on disputable matters, we place ourselves in position of judge over that person. In other words, when we judge, uh, we're usurping God's role. Jesus warns us in Matthew twelve thirty six. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. The phrase judgment seat comes from the place where the judges sat at, at athletic contests. The judge would sit up high in this exalted seat like a throne. There was only room for one person up there. Do you know where everybody else was? Down below. At the same level. You and I will appear before the exalted judge of the world, and only he has the right to judge the thoughts, the intentions, the attitudes, the motives, the words, and the actions of every human being. Friends, the last time I checked, God doesn't need any help judging people. He's doing just fine on his own. You know, I've observed people with the greatest number of faults are often the most merciless in their criticism of others. I heard about a group of 53 residents, they're all from a town in Connecticut, they were frustrated that there was so much reckless driving in their community, they signed a neighborhood petition to stop all the reckless driving on their streets. As soon as it passed, the police set up a patrol and they pulled over five violators. All five had signed the petition. (laughs) Friends, our responsibility is to make sure the Lord is number one in our lives and not to worry too much about the preferences of other. Remember, I'm not talking moral matters, that which is right, always right, that's wrong, always wrong. I'm talking about preferences, opinions, disputable matters. Since we're accepted by Christ, we must accept one another. Number three, control yourself in love. So if we want to accelerate our ability to accept one another, let's avoid passing judgment, let's commit to live for the Lord alone third avenue be controlled by love verse 13 therefore let us not pass judgment here's one of those phrases one another on one another any longer which means that's what they've been doing right but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother so, my goal shouldn't be to get you to agree with every one of my preferences, every one of my opinions. No, my desire is to pursue peace, to welcome and accept others, to avoid causing them to stumble. And if you're a believer, I want to do all I can to help you mature in Christ. Our liberty must always be tempered by love as we recognize our attitudes and actions have an effect on others. Verse 15 is even more specific. Check it out. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, so those who said, hey, we can eat this meat sacrificed to idols, by what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. That word grieved has the idea of mourning when a loved one dies. So I'm out of bounds if I use my freedom in such a way that it causes another believer to mourn. I shouldn't flaunt my freedoms in Christ, nor should I try to fence others in with my rules and regulations. So let's see if we can flesh this out. Picture a married guy, let's call his name, let's call him Joe. Joe has been taught his whole life to never take off his wedding ring. In fact, that's gone down generations in Joe's family because to take off his wedding ring would be, well, it would be breaking his marriage vows. As a result, he never took off his wedding ring because to him, it would be tantamount to trashing his vows. So that's Joe. Imagine Joe has a friend, let's call his name Randy, who's never heard of that belief. They get together on a Saturday to work on Joe's car. As they get ready, Randy takes off his wedding ring, puts it in his pocket. Why does he do that? He doesn't want to get any grease on it. Can you imagine Joe gasping as Randy takes off his ring? But to Randy, there's no correlation between his ring and how much he loves his wife. They're just working on a car. Well, that's similar to what the food laws were to some newly converted believers. In their minds, to eat meat violated their vows to God. So when they saw other Christians wolfing down some filet mignon, they were aghast because to them it meant unfaithfulness to God. Let's go back to Joe and Randy. Imagine Randy pressures Joe to take off his wedding ring. Joe gives in to the pressure. He takes it off. But in his heart, he feels as though he's broken his marriage, vows, and been unfaithful to his wife. When he goes home, he feels guilty because for the first time in his life, he's crossed a line, at least in his mind. So if we're really serious about pursuing love, we'll think about how our liberty can affect someone else's spiritual growth once randy knows about joe's beliefs about wedding rings love may dictate he keep his ring on at least when he's with joe Verse 16, so do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. The bottom line isn't whether someone feels the freedom to eat meat or abstain or takes off a ring or leaves it on or wears a mask or doesn't. The key is to remember the kingdom of God according to verse 17 is not a matter of eating and drinking but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If we major in a godly life we won't fight over minor matters and we won't look down on those with differing views. Since we're accepted by Christ we must accept one another. E, edify everyone you can. Verse 19, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. That word upbuilding or edify, it's a construction term. It was used to retrofit a building, to make it stronger, to improve its usefulness, to extend its longevity. The opposite word is found in verse 20. It's the word destroy. It was also used in the construction world. It was used of tearing down a building. So listen to verse 20. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean. So we have an idea of what Paul thinks there. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. So when disputable matters don't fight to prove you're right, Because you could end up wronging someone by leading them down a wrong path. A couple questions. Are you a constructor or a destructor? Do you edify or do you erase those who disagree with you? You're just like done with them because they they don't get it. You've kind of canceled them, if you will. Are you building up believers or blasting away at them? See, our actions, our attitudes, our behavior either strengthens the church or weakens it. And my highest priority in relationships with others should be their edification, building them up, not their demolition. Kevin DeYoung wrote a post entitled Distinguishing Marks of a Quarrelsome Person. It was a hard article to read. In fact, there's 12 marks. I'm only going to share five because way too convicting. You know you're a quarrelsome person if you defend every conviction you have with the same degree of intensity. Number two, you're quick to speak and you're slow to listen. Number three, you have no unarticulated opinions. Everything you think, you express. Number four, your first instinct is to criticize. Your last instinct is to encourage. And number five, you never give the benefit of the doubt. Let's move on. That's a little too convicted. So don't be like this person who says this. Believe as I believe, no more, no less, that I am right and no one else confess. Feel as I feel, think only as I think, eat what I eat and drink what I drink. Look as I look, do always as I do, then and only then will I fellowship with you. So if that means we abstain from something for the sake of a brother or sister or hold back on expressing an opinion, well, then that's what we do. Let me ask it this way. Do you love people more than you love being right? The question is not, can I do this? But rather, if I do this, if I i say this how will it affect another brother or sister since we are accepted by christ we must accept one another p accept personalize your convictions privately there are certain truths all believers must accept those things that are right always right those things that are wrong always wrong they're explicitly taught in scripture however Some of us may feel like we have to tell people what we've decided about debatable topics. Actually, according to verse 22, the way of wisdom is to keep some things private. Look at verse 22. The faith that you have, well, keep that between yourself and God. Since you're accepted by Christ, we must accept one another and finally treasure people like Jesus does. So now we're spilling over into chapter 15. Listen to the first two verses. We who are strong, that be those who can eat meat, have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Drop down to verse 7. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Jesus accepts us unconditionally. We should therefore accept others the same way. Avoid passing judgment. Commit to live for the Lord alone. Control yourself in love. Edify everyone you can. Personalize your convictions privately. And treasure people like Jesus does. Last weekend, we ended by reading the Relationship Covenant established by the Navigators. Well, this week, I pulled out the Edgewood Church Covenant and I was moved by its depth and its clarion call for us to accept one another. I'm going to invite you to stand and I'd like us to read this together. After you read it, you may think, I want to get a copy of that. You can get it online. Simply go to the resource section under about, click constitution and bylaws. It's at the end. We also put some on top of the resource kiosk. Let's read together. As a bond of unity among us, this church accepts for its members the following covenant. Having been led by the Holy Spirit to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and on profession of our faith in Him, having been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we do now most solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with one another as one body in Christ. We promise that we'll watch over and counsel one another in the spirit of brotherly love that we'll remember one another in our prayers and that we will aid each other in sickness and distress. We further agree by the aid of the Holy Spirit to walk together in Christian love to strive for the advancement of this church in knowledge, holiness, and comfort, to promote its prosperity and spirituality, to sustain its worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines, to give it a sacred preeminence over all institutions of human origin, and to contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. Let me just mention that last phrase we just read is in the founding document of Edgewood from 1905. Forty charter members committed to that. Let's keep going. We further covenant to maintain family and private devotion, to religiously educate our children, to seek the salvation of our kindred and acquaintances, to live carefully in this present world, to be just in our dealings, faithful in our engagements, and exemplary in our deportment, to avoid all tattling. That one makes me smile. I think a parent wrote that one. To avoid all tattling, backbiting, and excessive anger to abstain from everything that will cause our brother to stumble. That's right in this passage. Or that will bring reproach upon the cause of Christ and to strive to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior that amidst evil and good report, we will humbly and earnestly seek to live to the honor and glory of him who loved us and gave himself for us. You can be seated. So in summary, by God's grace and our commitment to accept one another, we the members and friends of edgewood will put our face in god's book more than in facebook and we will deal diligently with this unity by guarding the sweet unity that christ has given to us since we're accepted by christ we will accept one another
0: who do you need to accept this week Is there someone God brings to mind? Ask God to help you do something to demonstrate acceptance. Thanks for joining us for On Mission. If you'd like to hear more messages like this one, go to edgewoodbaptist.net or download our free mobile app on the Apple App Store or Google Play by searching for Edgewood QC. If you don't have a church family, we'd love to have you as a guest at one of Edgewood's three weekend services, Saturday at 5 or Sunday at 9 or 1045. We have a full children's program during both Sunday services. My name is Matt Williams, and I'm a member of Edgewood. Ethan Curry, also an Edgewood member, is serving as the producer of this program. We look forward to connecting with you again next weekend as we learn more about how to live on mission. Until then, go deep in God's Word and keep applying it to your world. On Mission is furnished by Edgewood Baptist in Rock Island, Illinois.